This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, you got to hear me have a conversation with a friend of mine, Cameron Harold, who's scaled a few companies to over $100 million. We talked a lot about what it takes as a leader to scale your company. So if you missed that episode, please go back and check that out. This week, we want to talk about one of the lies of productivity, which is willpower. Since I was a kid, uh, you know, I've, I've heard that where there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. Yet when I step inside of your world and Gary's world, I start to learn that that's not necessarily the case. Well, it's not the way people think about it, right? So I think that um, when we grit our teeth and just say, I'm going to do this, it's actually incredibly powerful. Mm. The lie that we discovered is that that's a very ephemeral strength. It's like a superpower that only lasts for a very brief amount of time, (laughs) right? You know, the kryptonite is waiting just around the corner. Um, And it's really got to do with your mental energy. So in the book, we kind of walk through a series of steps to kind of educate people on what willpower is and what it's not. So there's this idea that willpower is the yes, the ability to say yes to what you need to do. Like, yes, I'm going to go do that. And that's absolutely true. Um, But the first big aha we had from the research when we looked at the studies is that it's also when you say no to everything else. Mm. So every distraction in your environment is kind of taking a little gas out of the tank. Mm. And so they've done studies where they'll ask people to do a test of willpower, like focusing on a test. It's even like watching a sad movie and not crying. Right? <laughs> I would um, fail that. <laughs> yeah, but there's so many things they, they measure, and they'll measure someone's um, glucose in their bloodstream before and after, and they can see a measurable drop. Mm. So with every act of willpower you're taking a little bit of that fuel out of the process. And um, it's incredibly fragile. You know, all these distractions, you know, can really have a toll because we want it to focus on that, that one thing that we really want to do. So that, that first and foremost is that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's the ability to say yes, but it's also saying no to all that other stuff in your environment. And so just to recap for the people who are listening or watching this, the the thing that I just took away from that more than anything is it's a finite resource. Mm -hmm. There's only so much gas in the tank every single day and being even strategic about it. I mean, I think I immediately thought of Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg in terms of how they dress. That was just one more decision they didn't want to have to make. Yeah. And it just, it was done. A lot of people talk about it as cognitive stamina. Mm. That's the words they used. And they often cite, you know, that Steve Jobs wore jeans and a turtleneck every day. And, you know, he'd go into his closet and that, that there were far fewer decisions. And I think about some people we know who have to choose between 100 pairs of shoes. And it doesn't mean that's a bad thing, but you do need to be aware of that those are decisions that are actually taking a measurable toll. So um, the metaphor that um, Gary gave me is I've got an older phone, right? So you can't maybe see this, but I've got it in a battery pack because, you know, if it's a couple editions old and I'm cheap, I'm waiting to upgrade my phone like everybody (laughs) else, right? Towards the end of its life, the battery's always going dead, right? It drives you crazy. So you have to plug it in at night. You have to plug it in the car. You plug it in at your desk. And this is a, a good metaphor for your brain. It's like a very powerful tool, um, very powerful, but the battery is always running down. And so how we refuel it is actually nutrition. And, mm. you know, I was sharing with you, I'll take the phone out of the environment so we're not multitasking as well or distracted. But I thought about my daughter, right? And she would go to school and she would be this perfect character in kindergarten. 
And she's sitting still, right? She's doing using her willpower to be a good student all day. And the teacher says she was great. And then picking her up, you know, she has this kind of meltdown, right? Like kids do. And it's because they've used all their willpower up. Mm. And one psychologist said, you know, for children, it's like now they're in a place where they feel safe. So all of that emotional stuff they've been holding in just comes out. Mm. You know, when you see a child in the grocery store that is just losing their mind on the floor and the parent is like embarrassed, that's a child whose willpower has just been used up. And the truth is, you know, moms have always given their kids snacks. That's what you do at three o'clock in the Mm -hmm. afternoon. They didn't know the science maybe, but intuitively knew they had to feed your brain so that you can do what you need to do when you need to do it. And um, so one of my big takeaways when I'm looking at all this and how fragile it is, is you look at all of these diets where they say eat five meals a day. And I was like, well, that might be great for burning calories, but it's also you're refueling constantly. And so if you could see it, like under my desk, I've got a thing of raw mixed nuts. Um, I've got a little bowl of really healthy power bars. And, you know, at 10 o'clock and around two o'clock, instead of grabbing a giant cup of coffee, I'll have like half a power bar. And I'm trying to refuel it because what we do takes a lot of focus, right? Yeah. It takes some willpower. And it's just a, it's just so much more fragile than people think. That's, that's the big takeaway for me. You have to refuel if you want to have your best decision-making with you all the time. Now, for the people who are listening to this who just, they haven't really spent much time analyzing where their willpower is going. You've talked about the nutrition and how that can help you refuel throughout the day. But let's talk about in terms of the purpose of the one thing. Right. Making sure that you are putting your most important work at certain times of day so that you have the willpower to do it. Yeah, there's a study in here. It takes a little while to unwind, but I'll just do the real fast version. And if you've read the book, you know which one I'm talking about. They did a study of the Israeli parole system, and it was over 1,100 cases. Um, I think it was Ben-Gurion University and Stanford University partnered on this. And they looked at the life of a judge throughout his day. And they make like 35 decisions. These are big decisions, right? Is this person going back to jail? Are we, you know, putting a convicted criminal back on the streets, right? It has high cost. And they make them back to back to back. They have like six minutes on average to make a decision. (laughs) And they have two breaks throughout the day. They have a morning session. They have kind of a mid-morning snack, right? Now, snack, important word, they're refueling. And then they have a late lunch. So it's two hours, snack, two hours, lunch, two hours, go home. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the diagram of the likelihood of a prisoner getting parole, if you were first in line, you had a 60 to 65% chance of getting parole. And by the end of two hours, it dropped all the way to zero. And the same thing plays out in each of the three periods. And it gets more pronounced the farther into the day you go. Mm -hmm. So one of the conclusions that um, we can draw from this is that we tend to have our highest willpower in the morning. Um, I could go into deep, like what happens to our bodies. You know, we're storing fuel in our cells. Whether you ate breakfast or not, overnight while you slept, that process is happening. So you start the day with the most willpower you're likely to have. And so um, the thing we looked at is like, uh, does that mean that the judges were making the wrong decision at the end of the, the session? We don't know. But what we know is that their default decision was go back to jail. Right. And so the takeaway, you know, we're trying to not to draw too much from that. But I know my default decision-making on a diet is a lot more likely to go towards nachos and a cheeseburger than <laughs> carrot sticks and hummus, right? And so I want to be making the decisions about my food while I have willpower. So today, what I do? I packed my lunch. I'm packing it in the morning, preparing it, 
while I'm thoughtful about it, and I can prepare to make a great decision in advance. Mm -hmm. And so, in general, when we talk about you've got your one thing, you want to make it a habit, you want to do it, the most likely time you are to succeed is if you do it early in the day. Uh, One, there's less distractions, and we could talk about that. But you're also more likely to have that willpower because we all have those days. You know, it's a Monday and there's junk going on in the office and you just don't want to do what you know you need to do. Well, that's when you can say, grit those teeth. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to power through this. And it's those days that you add to the total over a long career that make people truly extraordinary. Mm -hmm. It's not just in one week. Okay, great. You picked up two hours. But it's like Michael Phelps. I mean, when we studied him preparing for his first big Olympics, he started training on Sundays. And he said, you know what? None of my competitors do. That's 52 extra training days a year. And in a sport where it goes to thousands of a second, yeah. that's a huge, huge advantage. And so you're, you're thinking big about your life. You want these things that are most important. It, maybe it's your job, one thing. Maybe it's your health. You know, maybe it's your diet. If you make those decisions earlier in the day, you try to execute earlier in the day, you're more likely to do them over the long haul. And that, that was you know, ultimately where we led people. Figure out what your one thing is and do it as early in the day as you can. Well, I think that was probably one of the first major ahas I had when I moved to Austin to work with, with you and Gary is I knew the first habit I wanted to develop was around my business. And when I asked, what's the one thing I can do for my business, such that by doing it, everything else is easier or unnecessary, it was to have a time block first thing in the morning that when I came into the office, it wasn't go chit-chat with people. It wasn't grab a cup of coffee. It wasn't check my email. I needed to apply my willpower and just grit myself down to just doing my most important work for 15 minutes. And I remember at the time feeling like nothing was really changing. Mm -hmm. Nothing substantial was happening. But after doing it over a series of months, applying that willpower, suddenly it became a habit. To now I don't really think about it. I don't want to check email when I get into the office. I don't want to go say hi to people. I want to open my computer and knock something out for 15 minutes. It feels good. I don't even have to think about it anymore. I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I've observed around my personal willpower. It's not that I have to grit through it every single day. I just have to apply that energy to that single task until it becomes a habit. And then it's an, then it's an autopilot. I love that. I love that. And I love that you, you executed on the vision and you made that happen. And just for the record, when I walked in the office, whenever I walk in the office and Jeff's already there and his head down doing his one thing, um, he still smiles and waves. It's not like he's giving everybody the cold shoulder, but he does make a commitment. Instead of doing that, how was your weekend? That can happen a little later in the day. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to happen. But you can knock out, you can put a check by that box that's the most important box of your day um, right off the bat. And I'll I'll say one other thing, what I love about that early in the morning thing. Mm -hmm. It gives you a sense of righteousness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really does for me. Like working out was very tough for me. And we moved it to the mornings with my wife. And I can tell you, we worked out this morning. And I'm like, you know what? I just did the most important thing I can do for my physical body already. And it's like a victory I'd love to dive into it. There's a great uh, commencement speech by the chancellor at UT, um, and he talked about the power of making your bed. Mm -hmm. And in the SEALs, right, he was a Navy SEAL, decorated. For them, he he described it, no matter how horrible your day was, you would come back at the end of the day and you'd see, well, at least I did one thing well. And that's what I latched onto it for. I was like, you know what? We'll start that habit. We'll start making our bed. You know, your parents told you to, and it felt like a chore, 
but we decided as adults to start doing it. There's all this evidence now that by being just a little bit purposeful, right? I'm doing this thing and I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing it for the world or whatever it is. It's such a small thing. It has all of these other gifts. People feel happier. People feel more in control of their lives. So, you know, they did that study on making your bed. But what would it look like if your number one career choice, the thing that most led to your success, you just knocked it out first thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, if making your bed has all that impact, what does doing your one thing for your career, you know, that takes care of you and your family and your loved ones, how does that make you feel? So I think that's huge. I think a lot of us walk around with a lot of guilt. Um, we know that there are things we're not attending to and it doesn't make us feel good. And so even 15 minutes, you can say five hours. No. Even 15 minutes of attending to what you know is a priority can just, it's a buoyancy that you bring through the rest of your day. And that's not, it's nothing we expected to find out. It's not even in the book. That's just stuff that we've learned by practicing what we preach and paying attention to the world. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that just over time, it leads to something extraordinary. And in the book, when you, when you graph out the shape of success, it's you do that action, you don't mm-hmm. see much. You do that action, you don't see much. You do that action, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, boom, hockey stick growth. And I think just speaking as a millennial, I want that instant payoff. Yeah, and don't we all? Yeah. We, but That's not generational. Y'all get a bad rap for that. <laughs> we all would love it to be faster and easier. But I think that's that's the thing is having that long-term perspective and knowing that success leaves clues. The research shows it. You look at the most successful people, they demonstrate it. And whatever early in the morning is for you, can you first thing in your day do something that is a win for yourself? Whether it be 15 minutes or even as simple as a minute of meditation in the car before you get out of the car. I mean, can you get some small win every single day? And over a period of time, watch how that begins to spill over into the other areas of your life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's a great, it's a great practice. It's a great thing to try out. Doesn't you don't have to read a book to do it. You've been given everything you need to know. Um, you probably already know that thing that you're not doing. Um, and I love it. I mean, I just love it when you coach someone. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's asking, "I need to change my life," and you give them this one tiny little tripwire. Why don't you just try setting your alarm thirty minutes earlier and having a little time for yourself? You know, that's you talk about. That's just a bonus. Right. But just taking that little bit of control and doing that one thing that they haven't been able to do, um, you talk to them a few months later, and it's like a, it's like a different person. Yeah. And, and I, the key there is I feel like I just see this all the time in our communities. People spend so much time trying to pick the right one thing. Yeah. It's not about picking the right one thing. It's about picking something small and proving yourself that you can make it a habit. And I guess in terms of the one thing that you can do based on this episode, pick something, one thing as simple as making your bed in the morning that you can do for yourself or for your business, that if you just did that consistently and made it a habit, it would feel like you got a win for the day and you had some momentum. Um, I agree. I think a lot of people fret about picking the right thing. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, your instincts are probably really, really strong. Like I said earlier, I think most people have a sense of guilt about what they're not doing. And taking that first step, however small, towards that thing, most of us know what that thing is. We don't know what the first step is. But you're in the ballpark. And as you exercise whatever that first thing is, you'll see where the next step is. If you don't take the first step, it's impossible to see where the second one, second stepping stone is. Mm -hmm. Even if you pick the wrong one, that's okay. You've now entered the game. 
And taking action is just so much more powerful than thinking about it. It illuminates that path for you. So trust your instincts. If you think, you know what, I think my one thing might be to do this. You probably already thought about it while you're listening to this, but you're probably either dead on accurate or so close it doesn't actually matter. There you go. Well, there you have it. Uh, Our episode today on willpower. Stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to talk with a friend of mine, Jonathan Raymond, about how to bring a higher level of accountability into your own life. And for those of you who manage other people, how to bring accountability to those people and make them still like you. So with that, (laughs) stay tuned to the next episode.